I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hi, fairy tale friends. We are here today with Walt Disney's Fun and Fancy Free 1947. So we are chugging right along through the 40s here. We This is the fourth of the package films? So it's interesting because I read something that said there were four of them, and then I read something today that said that there were like five or six of them. Some of them are not technically Walt Disney Studios, like one is the Reluctant Dragon. Right. So different people have different interpretations of how many package films were out. So this is one of several. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because my notes have kind of contradicted themselves uh, between our last movie and this one. Well, so. yes, because the, the documentary I saw also was like, everyone was so glad to see a Disney film when Make Mine Music came out and completely just skipped over uh, Saludos Amigos and The Three Caballeros. Yeah, so yeah, Which I I've, think it's I've different. discovered since this podcast, I say it way with much more of a Latino accent. You I do. used to be like, Three Caballeros, and now it's like, It's the Three Caballeros? I, I like, wonder if Brie had influence on you. Most, most likely. <laughs> Which is great. I love it. Uh, so, for Fun and Fancy Free, uh, I guess I'll just jump into the synopsis here. Jiminy Cricket hosts two Disney animated shorts Bongo, about a circus bear escaping to the wild and Mickey and the Beanstalk, a take on the famous fairy tale. And uh, this one got a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I was surprised that it was on the lower end. I think a lot of the package films, I mean, they're unrealized stories. This was actually, the one we saw before this, Make My Music, was a bunch of smaller ideas. Mm -hmm. This one was actually two things they were looking at to do full movies for. And then they ended up going, well, we don't, I don't think we have quite enough for a full movie. Well, what I read, so that's interesting. What I read was they were in production for full features and mm -hmm. then because of the war yeah. was the decision they made. That, so that's what I, I meant. I oh, skipped okay. that middle part out. Yeah, Got yeah. it. I didn't know if it was... You that. know, that that, part, that easily Empire. skippable part, yeah, World War II. It wasn't the, well, and it wasn't necessarily <laughs> they didn't have enough content. It was that they didn't have enough workers, didn't have enough resources. It, yeah, like all they needed things. to get something out. Yeah. But they had like full... They'd gone into, I saw with Bongo, they'd done many different character designs. With uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk, they'd done all this different, you know, production art and things like that. And they were ready to go. They just hadn't quite filled it out to a 70-minute feature. Mm -hmm. um, so you said before we got on this that you don't have a lot of stuff for this. I, I've got, like, a couple things that I think I could say beforehand. Mm -hmm. But I think some of my things, like the last one we did, would make more sense after we yeah. watch it. I've got a, a, a few. Like we said, this was two features that got um, kind of created into one thing because they weren't fully realized ideas. It's interesting to me that, that Walt was so... Walt apparently had a wild hair about Mickey and being part of Mickey and the Jack and the Beanstalk story. Because this is actually the third time we've seen Mickey fight a giant. He had there was a, an early black and white film called Mickey and Giant Land that follows this a lot. He climbs a beanstalk, he goes up to the giant's home, and the giant is eating, and then he, you know, they go back down the beanstalk. Uh, and then there is the Brave Little Tailor, 
which is I think the one that a lot of people are familiar with where and he says And that one's later, right? That's like 1983, I believe. Oh no, no, no. This is before that still. This is old design Mickey where he doesn't oh, have the pupils. Oh, okay. I thought that was a uh, one that came out later. Okay. No, this is the one where he's like everyone's like afraid of a giant. He's a tailor and he's sewing something and he's got seven uh, flies around yes, his head. Yes, yes, yes. He hits him. He goes, I killed seven in one blow. And everyone's like, seven giants? Yes, and they lose I remember their mind. that one. I yeah. watched that one last night. It might be a fun thing to put up because I, I, I watched both of them. But that one, I thought, I was like, I really enjoy this. There's only one part that I thought was a, like a little, there's a part where the giant rolls up a thing of hay and creates a cigarette and Mickey's in it and he's smoking the I cigarette. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, um, I think that's the one you said you remember seeing one of these. I've definitely seen that one, but I think I've seen Mickey and the Beanstalk because of when it was described. Mm -hmm. I remember things from that, but I do remember that one as well. I've seen this whole thing before. I don't know if we had it. I, I think we might have. We we as a family were a lot of like recording stuff off of television, so there's a big picture. You know, I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I always talk about I love the Ewok adventures, but when I finally got the DVD of the Ewok adventures, it felt weird because there weren't the parts where it was like, the Ewok adventure is brought to you by mcdonald's like and that wasn't in there and that's what i yeah. remembered seeing it i think it was a similar thing we might have recorded this off of magical world of disney or something but i saw this one a lot and i didn't realize i love the bongo feature the the, the bongo the bear i love mickey and the beanstalk i'm really excited to see this one yeah so to kind of segue off of what you're saying fun and fancy free was re-released on vhs in 1997 for mm. the 50th anniversary so what was interesting when it was re-released is Bongo was not featured in ads or on box art because by that time, Mickey, Goofy, Donald, and Jiminy were so much more recognizable. Mm -hmm. Like People immediately knew those characters. So Bongo kind of got the shaft in 1997. But to what you were saying, they were shown, um, they were not re-released over and over again. So they did this 50th anniversary edition but unlike other Disney movies where they would re-release them every couple of years, that didn't happen with Fun and Fancy Free. However, they were shown on television separately or together. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a good chance that I don't recall Bongo, so it'll be interesting to see if I remember it when I watch it. But I've definitely seen Mickey and the Beanstalk. Um, so yeah, so listeners, you may have owned the VHS. You may have seen it. Uh, separately or together on television. So there's a couple different ways you could have seen mm -hmm. both of these. I, it must have been off television because there's no way. It, this is before 97. That you remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Dinah Shore, you know Dinah Shore is the narrator and singer of Bongo. I didn't know she was the singer of Bongo. Well, there's songs that like she sings as part of the narration. Yeah. I think there's a few songs that aren't her. This is the one, and I think I've talked to you about this, where there's a whole thing about how bears get dates where they slap each other in the face and it's like a oh, real kind no. of country bears song oh, that's you're funny. gonna like it. i i i i predict you're going to like bongo now i'm saying this as, as again i haven't seen this as a young child so there could be a whole thing where they're like why japanese people are bad and i just yeah. don't remember I that doubt but. That's the case, but yeah <laughs> you mentioned dinah shore yeah and the one thing i wanted to say i believe it was in dumbo we were talking with melissa about how you know, there weren't a ton of famous voices that mm -hmm. people knew and that happened later. But that's actually not true. As early as this movie, they specifically cast Edgar Bergen, who's the ventriloquist mm -hmm. and a narrator, and Dinah Shore to increase audience appeal. Yes. So Disney already in the 40s was looking at that. It's just we don't necessarily know those voices, well, right? Well, do, do you know Edgar Bergen? I don't know Edgar Bergen. I know Dinah Shore. So you've seen Edgar Bergen. He was briefly in the Muppet movie that we watched a little while ago. Remember, he was like the judge of the Miss Piggy uh, pageant. And oh, the, it was, it yeah, was a yeah, man yeah. with a 
ventriloquist yes, dummy. Yeah. Um, he was a Walt Disney was a big fan and actually drew Charlie McCarthy. That can't be his name. Charlie his his ventriloquist dummy into a bunch of cartoons. Oh, okay. But he's also Candace Bergen's father. Do you know who Candace Bergen is? The name sounds very familiar. Uh, Schmidt from uh, Boston Legal. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Murphy Brown. Yes, yes, the, yes, yes. Schmidt is more of a Tara and I reference mm-hmm. than Murphy Brown. Yeah. Murphy Brown, obviously. Oh, neat. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I also read something about him as well that when he saw himself on film when he saw this after it was recorded he was really disappointed in how much his lips moved because he was used to doing a lot of his ventriloquism on radio which so seems like a got, weird place so to do ventriloquism little, well i don't know if it's that he said he got lazy once he went to radio so i'm sure he did live performances right, right, right. but i guess he was on radio doing a lot of these bits uh with his ventriloquist dummy yes. And so uh, I read something somewhere that he had made a comment that he felt like he had gotten lazy because I think his lips moved more than I think he thought they did once he could see himself. Well, you've seen my ventriloquism act that I do. Hey, it's me, and this is my dummy, John. Hi, my name is John. It was perfect, (laughs) listeners. As far as you know, it was wonderful (laughs) ventriloquism. Exactly, yeah. I've got a couple things about Bongo. Uh, Okay, and I also have the origin stories of Bongo. Yes. uh, I have, like, what the story and Jack and the Beanstalk what well, the original is. Bongo was written for Cosmopolitan Magazine. Did you yes, see that? Yeah, it was a 1930 version of the magazine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it was uh, one oh, of... Oh, go ahead. Sinclair Lewis. I just always yes. like to give credit. So Sinclair Lewis is who wrote the story. Um, also, when they were developing this, they kind of thought about having it be a kind of a sequel to Dumbo to where it would be the same oh, circus and they would even see some of the same characters. In fact, your favorite character is the gossipy elephant. Yes. They were talking about bringing them back, but they ended up not doing that. Um, there's a couple of things where they, it, it's funny. I'll skip ahead to Jack and the Beanstalk. One of the things they wanted to do in Jack and the Beanstalk is have honest John and Gideon be the I, ones yes, who sold I've Mickey read that. the Bean. Yeah. That was one version. Mickey's beans were sold by honest John. And then in another version, it was Minnie and she was, Queen of Happy Valley. Yes. So, she was so I saw that scene. That. They, they did the, the, they had the old production art and they redid the scene with, I guess, the newer people who do Minnie, Minnie and Mickey's voices. Mm-hmm. So that'll be up when I post the documentary. But oh, yeah, I saw the whole scene. Yeah, because um, as we'll find out, they never explain how Mickey gets the beans. But those were two versions they were toying with when they were trying to decide on uh, the story. Another thing is Bongo is kind of on his own in this, which I think works really well. But at one point he was going to have a chimpanzee valet that was like, <laughs> he was a star in the circus and the chimp like gave him massages and like, yeah. Got his clothes all together and that sort of thing. I thought that was kind of fun. I also read that uh, originally the animation, they wanted Bongo to be more realistic. Like they were going to lean towards drawing him more realistic of a bear. And then they went more cartoony in the end. Well, I think they were still going cartoony, but he was much more kind of Yogi Bearish where he had like a big, mm. I mean, he, he was on his legs and still moving like a bear, but he was like hulking and that thing. And this yeah. thing, he's kind of more like Mickey Mouse is to mice. Like Mickey Mouse... You wouldn't mistake him for a regular mouse more than say like I think Timothy looks more from Dumbo looks more like has more mouse features. Mm, I see. And this yeah. is this is he looks kind of like a, a hero version of a bear. Interesting. Um, I think that might be everything. Oh, this is apparently uh, Walt's last time. Okay, so I was reading about that. Is it and disputed? Again, it's not necessarily disputed, but I'll read both information I have. Okay. I have what you have that it's one of the last times to features 
feature Walt Disney's voice as Mickey Mouse, most of the recordings he did of Mickey were in 1941. So they Mm -hmm. had a lot of recordings, I guess, on hand of him doing the voice. And then he also recorded some lines for the Mickey Mouse Club, which is in 1955, Mm. around that era, that time period. I was going to say, I think the way they described it in the thing might have been like this was his last big. That's what they say here, but then they say that James McDonald was also the voice of Mickey starting in 1948. So I guess he might have overlapped. Yeah, I'm not sure. This was recorded, this came out in 47. So maybe Walt recorded the voice of Mickey prior to 47, and then James McDonald took over in 48. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was just when I was reading the facts, they didn't necessarily contradict themselves, but they like confused me a little bit. Now that I'm saying it, I think maybe that's what happened, is this was the last feature for Walt to use the voice. And then James McDonald takes over in 1948, and he's the voice of Mickey until 1977 when he retires. And then Wayne Allwine is the next voice of Mickey. I don't know if he is still the voice of Mickey. I don't think so. Uh, that name's he not was, familiar. He was the next one after uh, James McDonald in 1977. Uh, we have one of uh, a, an example of uh, using a... Uh, actor twice so uh billy gilbert plays the role of willie the giant who i love willie the giant who yes was... i was gonna save this one for later but uh, you can go ahead because he's one of your favorites that he's sneezy yeah because the actor apparently his part of his comedic act was a funny sneeze yeah it was like a, a known gag was a comic sneeze so that's why I they hired it. him for sneezy and then yeah. i think we're gonna see uh we're gonna see some comic sneezes from willie in this and then also willie the giant appears in mickey's christmas carol as, as the, well so that's another little the ghost um, of christmas present yes yes mm-hmm, the ghost of christmas present so that's another way that we get to see willie the giant a little bit later oh that's 1983 i knew i had the year 1983 somewhere <laughs> somewhere yeah so that's what mickey's christmas carol is 1983 uh i did want to just go into a little bit about um the original jack and the beanstalk story because it's actually like there's several versions of it mm-hmm. So it's Jack and the Beanstalk. It's an English fairy tale. It's also known as just a folk tale. Uh, But in 1734, it was titled The Story of Jack Spriggins and the Enchanted Bean. So I liked that title. Uh, And then um, Benjamin Tabart moralized the history of Jack and the Beanstalk. That was 1807. And then Henry Cole, publishing under the pen name Felix Summerly, Summerly, I apologize, listeners. You know me by now. Uh, he popularized popularized the tale, The Home Treasury, in 1845. And then Joseph Jacobs rewrote it. So as you can tell, like there's a long string of writers that have kind of changed the story, tweaked the story, different versions of the story, different titles, some appearing in like a collection of fairy tales, some appearing on their own. Um, so I didn't go into too much of a deep dive, but I did just want to highlight that This story has been told since the 1700s, which I always love looking up history and dates. And we'll have to post this picture on um, the Facebook page and maybe our Instagram. But I just wanted to show you that illustration because it's terrifying. What is this? It's when it's the first illustration for Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, it's pretty horrifying. Yeah, so we'll post that. It's a a bizarre one. Um, But yeah, I always like kind of finding the history. And I find it interesting that Disney seems to have been inspired off of you know he reads a story if he connects with it 
uh, then he kind of turns it into something. We mm-hmm. talked about that with other stories, you know, reading the story of Bambi in the original story. Uh, and, you know, he, I'm assuming, read Bongo's story in Cosmopolitan or somehow that came. I don't know if it was Disney or the animators. Maybe that's a good question. I don't know if it was. Was this, I, I can't, it was either one of these scripts, by the way, was delivered. The first draft was delivered to Disney the day after. Uh, Pearl Harbor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, it may have not originated from Walt Disney himself, but Either way, I just find it very interesting that a lot of the creators of these films, in conjunction with Disney, because mm-hmm. he had final say, uh, were just influenced off everyday life and off of stories they grew up on, and then they became stories that we grew up on, right? Like, we yeah. grew up on the Disney versions of these stories. Mm-hmm. So I just find that interesting. Well, that's that's all I've got. Other than, you know, we're, we're seeing the return of Cliff Edwards as Jiminy Cricket, which is exciting. I know we're both big Jiminy Cricket fans. I know. We do love him. Uh, this is also one of the first Walt Disney films uh, to list the voice credits of animated characters. That's good. So uh, it's the first to list Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and Goofy as if they're characters in the film. So we're going to have to look to see if they actually list their mm, real voices okay. or if they just list them... Like, they are the actors. Starring Mickey, Donald, yes. and Goofy. Okay. So, because, um, again, that was another one of those facts that it's like, I read it, but I'm not entirely sure what they meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, either way, they're giving a little bit more credit to the characters in one way or another. So, we'll have to look out for that. Okay, I have one more thing that I wanted to mention. Actually, two more things. One okay. thing to look out for, and then one more little fairy tale fact. One of the reasons that they were so focused on creating Mickey and the Beanstalk was to boost Mickey Mouse's popularity. So I found Hmm. this interesting because they said from 1928 to the mid-30s, he was the most popular character. And then in the late 30s, I guess they started to notice he wasn't as popular. But it got me thinking he wasn't as prominent. Like Disney started doing Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and he worked on Pinocchio. So he was starting to do movies that didn't feature Mickey. Hmm. So I'm wondering if that's maybe why he wasn't as popular because he wasn't in the front of everybody's mind. So that's why he's included in Fantasia as well. They wanted right. to make sure to like put him in that. Uh, and then this was to, I guess, bring the focus back to Mickey. This was one of the, the reasons um, to have Mickey. And then the other thing, listeners, as you're watching Mickey and the Beanstalk, to look out for the golden harp. Uh, she slightly resembles Cinderella. Uh, and what I read is her oh, hairstyle yeah. uh, is Cinderella at the ball. And what's interesting to note is that's because Cinderella was in pre-production at this time. Mm. So Cinderella is, I believe, 1950. So this came out in 1947. So they were being worked on at the same time. That makes sense. So that was just kind of my other little thing that I'm excited to look out for as we watch this. Well, cool. You feel good about all that? Yeah, I think we've got a good um, a good description, a good start, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. And guys, I'm pretty sure this one's on Disney Plus, so hopefully we won't have to do another <laughs> Yeah, YouTube hopefully dive. we won't have to piece it together, but at least this one it would be two parts instead yeah, of exactly. seven or ten or whatever the other one was. But uh, we'll see you on the other side, listeners. back what'd you think we haven't talked at all we we immediately jumped on so uh i've never seen bongo mm-hmm. so that was official and i liked bongo it was cute the Me beanstalk cute. just like 
brought me so much nostalgia, and mm-hmm. I just was so tickled by Donald and all of them, but I think Donald was my favorite in this. I really liked it, and I think it held up pretty well. Like, I think they both did, for I, the most part. I wouldn't call it, like, I, I, well, well, we'll get to my thoughts on it, but it's it's a fun, it's one you could definitely throw on, I feel like, and just let it, let a kid watch it, and it's pretty tame there's yeah and there's minor minor tobacco references but i don't know that anyone would know yeah you can get into it but yeah uh but and these are because that they were packaged you could just watch one of them Mm -hmm. and be fine with it like you don't necessarily need to watch both they're both on disney plus together but you could just watch one and stop it and go do something else uh, but we were watching for the beginning with the credits because i had had a note about how they gave credit to not only Mickey, Goofy, and Donald, but also to the voices who played them. And as we well, watched closely... you said Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. Yes, and that's what I had in my notes. <laughs> but as we watched closely, Goofy is not giving credit. It's Jiminy, Mickey, and Donald. And honestly... Goofy's got to talk to his agent. It kind of makes sense because I don't know how prominent Goofy was, but Donald was in Three Caballeros and... Uh, oh, you mean outside of this? Yeah, so I'm wondering if that's why they didn't credit Goofy in the beginning. Huh, I don't know. Because Mickey was already a big hit, Donald was already a big hit, and Jiminy was in Pinocchio. So maybe they didn't feature Goofy because... Well, Goofy was in Saludos Amigos, remember? Oh, yeah, he was. So yeah, I don't know why they did He just got the shaft. Yeah, yeah it's got to be some um, SAG thing. Must be. <laughs> but it does open with not only the characters' names, but the voices of some of the characters, we notice. Walt yeah. Disney is not giving credit for Mickey, um, but some of the voices are, are giving credit. So that was a true note. It just uh, wasn't in completion because Goofy was not included. Uh, but it opens with Jiminy floating on a leaf, and he's in like this pond, and he's singing, and all of a sudden he goes under this little tiny bridge, and um, and my first thought was like, who is that bridge for? But as the camera zooms out, you notice that it's like a little pond on a desk in an office. Mm. So Ryan was saying the bridge could be for other insects when we thought it was like the a, a land of like we right. were in like the woods, but we're really on this little pond. So but it I just guess turns out Jiminy, Jiminy has has committed b and e and is hanging out in someone's house yeah or that's where he lives now is in this little pond i don't really know i guess well it's interesting because he this, is a hobo this is taking place in modern time and pinocchio i guess was supposed to take place in the late 1800s so i'm wondering if this is jiminy cricket the character or jiminy cricket the actor who plays jiminy cricket or if we're just not supposed to worry about it probably I think it's not supposed to worry about it but yeah um so yeah he's singing and he's kind of floating around and he jumps off onto bookshelves and he's looking for a story. And these are some of the tales he comes across. Well, I think it's because it, the song is fun and fancy yes. free. And, he, and it's this thing of like, oh, this is too heavy stuff. And we I'm don't a happy worry fellow. About this. Yeah. yeah. And so some of these very heavy titles are Misery for the Masses, <laughs> Basic Metabolism, Anatomy of Melancholy, and provo- Proverbial Philosophy. Mm-hmm. So all tongue twisters. And, and as Ryan said, he says, oh, these aren't for me. Yeah, these are too dark or too heavy. Yeah. And then he floats down and we were so excited he sees Cleo in the fishbowl. Oh, so uh, we see Cleo and he like pops in uh, his face up against the glass and Cleo gets startled and he's like, you worry too much. Everybody worries too much. I mean, they don't identify the goldfish as Cleo, but, but it, it's... 
the exact same it's design. It's the exact same design. And, and I only yeah. say that because the next character they see, we go, oh, it's a cat. It must be Figaro. And it is not Figaro. Yeah, it's Figaro, but like instead of white, there's gray mm-hmm. where his fur is. And he's a little bit more menacing. But um, he looks in the paper and, you know, and he's like all of this gloom and doom, all these headlines in the paper. And that's when Figaro starts to chase him around. And then they, they go into a bedroom and they're in the dark. So Figaro like pushes him into this other room. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get there, the thing that I noticed throughout this whole thing is Jiminy sim- seems to kind of be like, not like Jiminy and Pinocchio. He's like, don't worry about things. It's fun and fancy free. And he's just not really the conscience anymore. Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm, I'm I feel like he was the, I, well, I feel like he was assigned the conscience to Pinocchio. Once Pinocchio became a real boy, he mm-hmm. kind of didn't have a job anymore. Right? I, I guess. So now he's a hobo so, again. He yeah, now he's just clothes. a hobo, fun and fancy free, going from one house <laughs> to another, I guess. Uh, but no, I, I think it's kind of interesting. I'm sure we're putting more context into absolutely, it. But, absolutely. But uh, it is fun to think of it that way. I, I, I think the title of this uh, 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 of this movie and the attitude Jiminy is giving you is kind of how you should take this one. Like, it's, it's a fun, fanciful one. There's not like a... It's not a real deep story. It's just two fun little stories back to Yeah, back, right? and I think he's also just reminding you. I mean, we have to remember this is 40 so it com- 47 it comes yes, out after the war. Point. But it was made during the war, so like just trying to let everybody know like, hey, maybe don't worry so much. Granted, mm-hmm. I don't want to like sugarcoat that like people shouldn't have been worried during the 40s. But I think it's maybe their way to be like just relax and enjoy this yeah. story. And then you can get back to worrying, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like that's what a lot of entertainers in the 30s and 40s were doing. Mm-hmm. Not only during the Depression, but during the war was to try to like lift people up, if even for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he falls into this bedroom and it's dark. And we find out he knocks over a doll. And he sees a doll and a bear. And he calls it a deadpan doll and a droopy bear. <laughs> and there's lots of little quips. I didn't write them all down. But in both of these stories, there's a, a lot of little... Um, kind of funny moments and and funny phrases so i tried to get a few of them in there when i could and uh again he's i don't know that he's flirting with the doll just yet but he eventually flirts with the doll a little bit not quite as much as in pinocchio with uh the music box characters but he goes to look for a record to play to kind of cheer up the deadpan doll and the droopy bear and all the records are classical composer names so i thought it was interesting yeah, it was, I believe it was Bach and Mozart and maybe Schubert, and there were a couple other ones. And then Bongo and Dinah Shore, which is a very different style than mm-hmm. the rest of the records that were up there. So he finds Bongo, and um, he throws the record on, and uh, we kind of get into the story of Bongo. And we both felt that Dinah Shore was delightful. Her mm-hmm. narration and her energy um, was so fun in this one, I Absolutely. thought. Yeah. And so it opens on Bongo, and we've got circus posters of Bongo, and there's a lot of things that are reminiscent of Dumbo. Like, the circus posters reminded me of Dumbo a little bit, and we are like, Bongo is a circus bear, uh, and it opens with him on a unicycle. And after the circus, uh, you know, we see Bongo is so happy when he's performing. And then when the show's over, they, like, put a metal cuff on his neck, which was so sad. Yeah. And they it's, drag him into his cage in, in the train where they, he like, lives. They, like, wash him and they dry him yeah, off Yeah, and, and they're very um, tossed around like an old shoe yeah. is what Dinah Shore says. Like, he's, he's handled very roughly outside of his performing. And 
So you're kind of watching him day in and day out. And the one thing we loved was when the circus packs up, it gets like all sucked into the train really quick. Yeah, it's a... like the whole tent and everything just like goes into the train and then comes out of the train when it gets set up in a new city. This one's definitely pretty cartoony. Yes. Uh, and and I thought that same way. I was going to say something to you while we were watching, but did you feel like Jiminy was not quite as polished as he was in Pinocchio? Like, it's obviously the same Jiminy, but some His, of the... Well, the coloring on him wasn't as bright. I yeah, feel like he it, was a little bit brighter. And this may have been something I noticed a little bit more, but, like, the animation felt a little clipped or, like, not quite as... Like, some of his expressions, it, it just, it, it felt like it wasn't the same team that did him in Pinocchio. He's felt very close, but it's, you can tell this is kind of like, maybe some people are missing. Maybe they, they don't have as much time. Yeah, And yeah. that was interesting. But, and th- I would agree with that. I mean, I didn't, it didn't, like, stick out. Mm-hmm. But now that you say it, yeah, and I just feel like his colors were dimmed a little yeah. bit. He wasn't as bright and shiny as he is in Pinocchio. Um, but basically we're following Bongo and we see that he's really kind of sad and he's daydreaming about being in the wild. He's getting his, his the call of the wild, they yes. call it. His, his instinct is saying he shouldn't be here. Now, it's, it obviously seems like he wasn't born in the wild or if he was, he got out of it real quickly. He just feels like he needs to go back there. He has dreams that he's, he's sitting in the tree. Yeah, and, and all he's these like things. almost like in a hammock in the tree tops and just relaxing. And I really remembered, I, I didn't think about it until we saw it, but the whole like, bongo, 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 like the, the, the voice of the wild calling him. Yeah. And so he's, you know, he's trying to get out and then he shakes the cage loose, essentially, the metal bars, the on lock the pops off on the train and he just disappears uh, into the wild. And With? With, with his, his unicycle. unicycle. I love when he's on his unicycle. Like, that's how Yeah, and the sound that the unicycle makes. It does have kind of a squeaky wheel mm-hmm. sound to it a little bit. Uh, but the landscape here is really beautiful. It reminded me of Colorado. Like, you yeah. see all these beautiful mountains and rolling hills. And uh, he gets out in nature and he feels free. And so we're kind of following him as he's exploring nature for the first time. And he runs into what looks like the same woodland animals in bambi there's yes. a lot of like and, bambi similarities and snow white yeah, yeah the, those woodland creatures and, and at first it's just squirrels and chipmunks but then it kind of extends to yes. lots of creatures but he's trying to climb a tree and he realizes he doesn't know how or he can't do it and he doesn't get it and the chipmunks and the squirrels are kind of pantomiming and talking in their own little language <laughs> yeah uh and making kind of poking fun at him that he can't climb this tree and so then uh, it goes into a song that I found this song really pretty. I don't know if this is the official name, but the Lazy Countryside. Oh, the one where he's just he decides, oh, I can't climb a tree, but I can still enjoy it. Yeah, he's like I can enjoy nature. In and it's like he's laying in daisies and flowers. And it's just that's where you really see the beautiful landscape mm-hmm. of a country. And it's just talking about him being lazy in the countryside. And then um, we get to the evening, like night falls. I just want to cover this because, I, I like I was telling you, you were watching this. This is what I used to think of when I'd go. Um, this is what I used to think of when I'd go hiking, not hiking, like and camping with Boy Scouts mm-hmm. and things like that. Is he lays down for a nice nap, and even even Dinosaur is like the the quiet of nature falls and the hush of nature, yes. yeah. And then it's just like at night, and all these weird noises, and his ears are tuning into him, and he's like looking around, and there's like a I very distinctly remember the caterpillar eating the, the yeah leaf. chomping on a leaf and then another caterpillar with a bunch of legs marching and then you had an, an insect with a saw for a nose that was like sawing down but a branch all the little noises are so magnified and then it's just it becomes this like horrific nightmare scene as he's chased by lightning and rain yeah and he hears the coyotes and that reminded me of uh ryan and i and our dog lady took a trip 
out into the middle of nowhere in Texas. And uh, we were in a cabin and it was delightful. Like that was kind of the goal was to be out in the middle of nowhere. And I think it was the last night we were there. We had heard coyotes, but maybe just like one every so often and not. Yeah, like it, far like, away. In the distance. Yeah. And the last night we were there, we heard like, I don't know, well, 20? Well, exactly what happened was we walked outside and, you know, I had my arm around you. And we yeah, were like, and it was beautiful. We could Look see all the beautiful. stars and it was so dark. Isn't this beautiful? Pause and then. Like, like all, at least 20, maybe more. Like, there were a lot of within coyotes. 200 yards of yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> sounding very close and all like howling together, but kind of at each other, at one another. And it was wild. And, and, and we just. We said, oh, I okay. guess we're going inside now. Yeah, and then we listened to them. They howled for a while. We listened to them inside, but felt much safer inside. Yeah. So we also had the dog outside with us with no like leash on her or anything. Yes. And we were like, we need to go inside. Yeah. Um, but it kind of reminded me of that cause I didn't do as much camping as you did growing mm-hmm. up, but that's kind of like what I had a memory of it. And like you said, he's being chased by lightning and all of these things. And well, so, oh, can, can I just jump in here? Real yeah, quick? go right it ahead. Was, it was interesting to me because, you know, a lot of this feels like Bambi that specifically felt to me kind of like Snow White when she's in this forest at first. Yes. Yeah. Like, ah, when ah, we, yeah. When everything's more... scary, the trees were animated very briefly, but that was before things got scary. They like yawned with yeah. Bongo, and I thought that was a cool animation. Them stretching and yawning to go to sleep. But he's getting chased by lightning, and for a minute, it definitely looks like the lightning are like claws coming mm-hmm. at him. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, it kind of moves on to he's shivering, he's cold, he's kind of like out on this ledge, and dawn. You know, the narrator tells us that now it's dawn, and mm-hmm. and. Bongo wakes up because the birds are chirping and like he didn't get any sleep and he's cranky and he's stiff and he's just like really miserable. Um, And so now he's on his unicycle again and he's discouraged and he's hungry. You hear his stomach growling. And this is when he tries to catch a fish. And at first the fish (laughs) is sleeping in the water. And so he's trying to sneak up on it, but he tries to catch it with his hat because again, he doesn't really know what he's doing in the wild. And the fish, like he has this whole sequence trying to catch the fish and then it like just sticks its tongue out at him and gives him a raspberry. He gets discouraged and he's underwater and he just like points at the fish. He's like, and then he points into his hat. Yeah. Like, like, come on, get in there. And the fish is like, "Uh -uh." uh-uh. And so that whole scene is kind of funny. And so he's kind of down and out. And then this is when it really feels like Bambi, I think, because. It feels like the Twitter pated scene because that's when he finds Lulu Bell. Yeah. uh, And I didn't know if it was Lulu or Lula Lula Bell. I think it's Lulu Bell because at least that's what it sounds. It was a little more distinct, I believe, in the the documentary. Oh, in the documentary. Yeah. So, um. We hear her first. We hear her giggling, and then we see her with a flower in her hair. And then, um, you know, they kind of do the Twitter paid it, like, chasing each other around the forest. And then their noses touch, and they form a heart. That's the first time you see it. But that happens a couple times. Walt Disney's version of how animals flirt is just funny to me. Yeah. And so then we go into this whole, uh, like, montage of a scene with the Cupid Bears. And they're up in the clouds, and they're in love, and... Uh, he's wearing heart glasses at mm-hmm. one point, and uh, you know, then there's the guitar with the one string that yes. you were like. He's got a, a guitar with a heart uh, carved in it, and it's got one string. And Ryan was like, "What kind of song could he make with that one string?" But <laughs> he's just strumming and serenading her, and they're sweet, and their noses are touching, and their tails are wagging. Basically, we go through this whole sequence. Like, there's a lot that happens in this sequence. But it ends with them laying on the ground, noses touching, their noses make a heart again, and their tails are wagging. Mm-hmm. And uh, then 
uh, all of these bears show up. So all they the start bears circling, in the wild. Them, like just to look at them and be like, "Oh, look!" Like yeah, they're not yeah. menacing. However, then Lockjaw comes into play, the roughest, toughest, and there's like a whole intro to what what kind of a bear he is. Now I like this type of like cartoony character, and I think Disney does a lot. He looks kind of like Pete. The kind yeah, of bad guy, kind of that yeah. big jaw, mm-hmm. and I and I like him. I, I I think part of the thing I I liked about this, and we'll get into a little bit more of it later, is it kind of had this like Popeye feel, where it was like Bluto, and then the kind of smaller guy, but still tough, was mm. trying to get the girl who yeah. didn't want to go with the the, the meaner guy. It's a little less uh, abducty than uh, <laughs> a Popeye. Yeah, cartoon. this is more just kind of like. Um, miscommunication yeah. on, on all ends. So basically what happens is uh, Bongo's like, oh, well, he must not know me. And so he's showing him all these news clippings of <laughs> how famous he is. And the bear obviously doesn't care or doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Why should he? Uh, and so she tries to protect Bongo. She tries to tell them, no, no, I'm in love with Bongo. And she slaps him. And Bongo's like heart is breaking. And I was like, but why? Like, I fell into it completely. I was just like, like why is she hitting him? Why? Well, not even why does she hit him, but like, why doesn't he understand that she loves him? Yeah. And, you know, she's trying to protect Bongo from Lockjaw. She stands in between the two of them. Well, but she's also slapping him, which is, if yes. I, I think I've ex- explained to you the whole like bears love each other by slapping each other. But I don't know that they explain that for a while. They don't explain it. Yeah, up to that point, we don't know that that's a thing. So that's why Bongo is very confused and very upset. He thinks he's like misread the whole situation and Mm -hmm. his heart is breaking. And so she's like, okay, I've got to really tell him I love him. I'll go to slap him again. And she goes to slap him and she spins around and she winds up accidentally slapping Lockjaw, Mm -hmm. who then falls in love with her because she slapped him. You kind of picks her up and takes her off. But again, not as like super abductee as a pop. she's yeah. not like help me like she's just yeah like, oh, but she no. is sad and she does yeah. like cry like she has well, she can't figure out he... why he... yeah you're yeah right. because again it's a lot of miscommunication like she thought she did the right thing bongo doesn't really know what's going on lockjaw thinks he's in love he's head over heels now he's been slapped because by no, bear. One's, no one's explained the the bears the the bears and the bees the, the bears yes. birds and bees to, to, to bongo. bongo so he's sad and he leaves and then he's kind of like away from the rest of the bears and they have kind of like this hoedown to mm-hmm. where the song comes in bears say it with a slap when they're in love essentially yes. and so you find out that this is what happens and they kind of do some square dancing and i really liked this whole scene and i liked this song a lot let's let's talk about this for a sec because yeah. the one thing i was worried about going back into this that this would feel a little bit like domestic abuse or something like that i really don't think it does like even no like and I even think... trying to go into it going like looking for like is this bad it's it's goofy it's fun it's it's the the women they're tend to hit the men each other, harder but they're slapping each other like when the other bears you don't know who's a lady and who's a male right they're different colors but I don't know that I think the could, animation. Yeah, it's not super obvious. No, but at the same time, like yeah, it it just it's it's consensual. It's not, there's not an issue here, and they're excited yeah, after they get it's slapped goofy. because it's like if you we were to if you were to kiss somebody for the first time. That's how I got. I think like, that was their. I think the the biggest conversation you have to have with your kid is now. Remember, don't hit anybody who doesn't want to be hit. Like, yeah, or just don't say. Remember, like I, I don't even know that you need bears, to say it, yeah. but like if you get a note home from the teacher that's like Johnny slapped Sally. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, and then he comes and tells you that, well, I like her and that's why I slapped her. Then maybe you have to yeah, have that conversation. Well, you, absolutely. You have to have that conversation. Uh, well, you have to have that conversation But I don't think any kids going yeah, to think... We're overthinking it because I think we're adults. We're coming at it for that. No kid's yeah. going to look at it. But like I, I really liked that whole scene. I oh, thought yeah, it great was song. sweet and it was a great song and it was really fun. Um, and so then this is when Bongo has this realization. He's like, oh my goodness. Like she was trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. That she loves me, that she, you know she wants to be with me, all of these things. And he comes racing down yes. the hill. Yes, and un- so now he tries. Unicorn. <laughs> yeah, he tries to get her back, and he's fighting Lockjaw with the unicycle. And I loved all the bits with the unicycle, mm-hmm. like him beating him up, um, and rolling over him, and and very all the different. S- very circus performer. He's yes. like, do- looks yeah. like he's doing circusy things, and he keeps running back over to Lulubel, the the audience, and being like. Aren't I great? Like, it just, it feels very much like a circus performance. Yes, and he feels in his element, I yeah. think, for the first time since he's been in nature. Uh, so they're going back and forth, and they end up on a log in the water, and he's, like, spinning the log with the unicycle, and... Uh, I don't know why, but I always like any of those kind of lumberjack games. But yeah, when people when are on a... Uh-huh. Like, they're trying... They're on a, on a log. I don't know and why I like it balance. in cartoons. Yeah. Uh, so... Then you realize that they're coming to a waterfall and they mm-hmm. go over the waterfall mm-hmm. essentially, and so she thinks that Bongo has died. And I guess we don't see well, Lockjaw he's lost. again. No, do no, we? no. He's down there and he's like stuck in the water. He's getting taken downstream. I don't think he dies, but he Lockjaw. Yeah, he's yeah, like, he's like trying to get out of the water, and the, and the log keeps like coming over and hitting him in the head. Yeah, so I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he like. His demise happens, but we don't really see him after that. No, he gets, he's down. You see like a little dot and he's oh, okay, yeah. taken down. I think downstream. I was more focused. That's a long walk back up there. It's well, I think be I was more focusing on again. Bongo because Bongo's also down there, but all the bears, like as Bongo's coming up, they pick him up and yes. they're rejoicing. All the bears are so excited that Bongo's back. Lulu Bell is so excited that Bongo's back. And, um, does she slap him or does he slap her? I think he slaps her first. And yeah, she I slaps think, him back. Yeah, I think then he slaps her to be like, hey, I love you too, kind yeah. of thing. And their nose kiss. And she climbs the tree. And then Ryan literally out loud is like, uh oh. Like, <laughs> because do he it. can't climb the tree. And but this, the I loved this yeah. part. Yeah, all the woodland creatures who made fun of him help him up the tree, which yeah. I thought was really sweet that they helped him to get up to the tree. And that's kind of the end, is them, like, ending well, the up trees in the tree. Yeah, the trees bend. bend. to form a heart, which Tara loves I love things when that things look like hearts. Yeah, so. so the trees bend to form a heart, and I, their noses may touch again, but they're, like, yeah. together like a heart as well. So let's go over this one real quick, and we'll just, since there's only two, we'll yeah. do the usual stuff, which is, how was the, the princess, who's a bongo in this? I love bongo. I think he's got a really cool visual design i like his kind of he's kind of like mickey and the like i'm kind of a hero and confident and show busy yeah he's confident and then when he goes out into the wilderness you know like a lot of people when you move away from home or you do something new or you have a Mm -hmm. change in your life you know you might be super pumped about it and then you're like oh maybe this isn't all i thought it was going to be right Mm -hmm. and it turns out it's everything he wanted but he kind of has to go through it and i like that we get to follow him on that journey a little bit uh, how was the prince who's Lulu Bell? Uh, she was great. She was she, sweet. Yeah. yeah. She was like not like amazing and not terrible. I thought she was a nice addition and she's very confident. I yeah. liked how confident she was and, um, you know, I like that she stepped in front of Lockjaw and him. I really appreciated that she was like trying to like protect stick up him. for him and protect him in front of all the other bears. 
Um, so yeah, I thought she was fine. Uh, how was the villain Lockjaw? I liked Lockjaw. I thought he had a yeah. cool design. He, he was, was just a big brute, but yeah, and he wasn't like he was just menacing enough, I guess. Um, let me see. Sidekicks didn't really have the woodland animals. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, anything that we thought didn't hold up, I don't think so. The one thing I was looking for, I don't think was nearly as much of a problem as I thought it would be. Mm-mm. And did you have a favorite song? Uh, I like the, uh, well, I, for this one, I definitely like the, 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 the bear slappy song. Cause like, it's that kind of deep down. I thought, I, I forgot Dinah Shore came back in and sang a little bit of it. And there's that part where she's kind of yodeling in the background, yeah, which yeah. That was kind of fun. I really like that song. And I also like the lazy in the countryside song. Mm-hmm. That all song the songs was really, were really They were good. all good. Yeah. Uh, the one where they're up in the clouds was really good too yeah. when they were in love. But I really like the lazy in the countryside and then the, the all kind of all kind of nineteen forties standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like croony crooner yeah. kind of songs. So yeah, we'll get to our feeling the whole thing for a second. But yeah, I I, I like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. So we get we come back to Jiminy. Yeah, who, and the doll is holding Jiminy. He's, he's now. in the and he's and he jumps out. To the turn record, the record, yeah, skip, the record skipping, and he looks back and he realizes the doll and the and the. And the, the bear. bear are touching heads. Now, were they smiling then? Like, are they changing to they be were, a little... I didn't notice that they were smiling, but it looked like their noses were touching yes. a little bit. And, and then so... Jiminy goes, well, three's a crowd. Yeah, and, like, he's like, I'm out of here. And like skedaddles. <laughs> uh, and then he sees a party invitation that's addressed to... Uh, Luanna Patton. I think that's her I name. Believe yeah. that's, I wrote it who's, down Who's going to be the little but... girl in the next section. Yeah, and so he opens this party invitation and it says... That it's a house across the way, and it's Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. So you were right. That was one of his puppet's names. I think you were Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer, Mortimer Snurd or Sneed. Snurd. They never say his last name in yeah. this. So, um, so yeah. And so we go to the house. Jiminy just... I don't know if I'm making this up in my head, but did they do the similar POV hop shot that they did in uh, Pinocchio? I don't know that they do the hop, but we watch him open the window yeah. and like go over to the house. Maybe so I'm they making might, that up, yeah. yeah. Um, but all of a sudden, Jiminy is in the house. He's now found a new house. And so now this adult man who lives by himself with two ventriloquist puppets has invited this young girl from across the street. And they over all have party, party hats on, and they have cake and Ophelia. It opens with Ophelia, the hand puppet. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, so he's doing this whole bit with the hand puppet, which was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, well, the- it's it's funny that he's doing a bit with a hand puppet. To two autonomous ventriloquist puppets. Who are, in this, he's also doing the voices he's, of. In reality, he's doing the voices of. But yeah. in the like fiction of this thing, they're just existing outside of him. They're yeah. shots where it's just them. And they're talking without him working. Yeah. Them. And he does move his mouth a lot. So At we first, were actually definitely. kind of surprised. It, it As it goes on, he moves his mouth less. And like reading that fact, I'm wondering if maybe he just didn't think about it. Because yeah, because he'd, he'd been, been doing, doing radio. radio. And so then, like, he was like, oh, I really need to, like, work on my game a little right, bit. Right, right, right. Uh, but that whole bit in the live action. Do you, you think Do you think other ventriloquists watched him or were like, Edgar, no. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it was that or if it was, like, he saw, you know, when it finally came out or they showed yeah. him, like, a rough cut of it or whatever, if that's when he saw it. Uh, but the uh, puppet... Charlie is kind of the snickery He's one. The funniest. He's so like, we were funny. I didn't out loud. write all his little like one-liners down, but he has a lot of them, and it's really funny. Even throughout when he's telling the story of the beanstalk, he's got all these one-liners. So basically, Edgar is the narrator for this one, mm-hmm. 
And uh, he starts to tell the story of Happy Valley, and he tries to get Mortimer. Uh, Who's kind of a dim-witted, like, country bumpkin character. Yeah, he's the other puppet. Tries to get him to think visually as he's describing the story, and he can't do it, and he's trying, and he's having that, a hard that time. That scene of him trying to think of something and all the other things other than the Happy Valley showing up in his head, I thought is a really cool little visual. Yeah, and what I will say about this is, I love Mickey and the Beanstalk. I was very nostalgic, remember it very well. I never saw it with Edgar as the narrator. Right. There's another so, version where they do this uh, kind of as its own thing, and the narrator is uh, Ludwig von Drake, I believe is the character's name, but it's kind of the he – do, he does the like – there's like a song he does about colors. He's like, red, red yellow, yellow, blue. blue. <laughs> he's the professor. Uh, he's the no, professor, right? Yeah, I think it's Professor Ludwig von Drake. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the version I know. So it was really fun. Guys, we did not rehearse that at all. We did not. I mean, it sounded like a bunch of jumbled words together, but. I think we hit the, if we go back and listen, I think we hit the first three (laughs) colors together. I love that song, by the way. Listeners, if you don't know it, I don't know the name of it. Isn't it like. It's, it's, it's like the color spectrum or something something like that. We'll have to look it up and post it because it is one of my favorite songs. He might make an appearance in Melody Time. I I hope he does. I love him. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, so I so that was new for me. So if you are a listener out there who knows the story but maybe doesn't recall the live action jumping mm-hmm. in and out, I would say definitely go back and watch it because it's a whole new way to see this story and it gives different humor and perspective to it, I thought. Yeah. So the little girl pictures Happy Valley. So as he starts to tell the story of Happy Valley, um, he's describing it and it's almost her imagination. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. I can see it. And uh, so that's kind of how we get into the animated version, um, going from live action to animated. And this is when he talks about the golden harp. Yeah, and the castle on the hill. And this song she does, which I've already forgotten, but I remember remembering it when it happened. My What a Happy Day. I don't know if that's the exact title, but that's the main phrase. I like that song. I did too. And it's interesting because she doesn't have much of a Wikipedia presence. Anita Gordon. Was her name? Yes. We looked her up because and she's, her voice I think sounded about, so familiar. I think it said she was born in twenty nine when I looked her up on IMDb, which means she was about eighteen when this came out. Beautiful voice and really love the song and just love all the songs that the harp mm-hmm. does. But really like this song a lot, and you see how prosperous Happy Valley is, and it's because of the harp. The harp is making everyone happy and. Everyone is excited and the animals are singing. The cow like sings low and starts singing the melody. It goes to the cow singing, oh, what a happy day. And then the crows are singing with the scarecrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then a shadow comes over. And so now we um, see the shadow comes over and takes the golden harp. And then no longer was the valley happy. So it become a gruesome gulch. Yes, I wrote that down. (laughs) So that's Charlie interjecting with this... um, with the narration of Edgar. And so, yeah, he calls it gruesome gulch and utter failure for mm-hmm, the cows. Mm-hmm. Like, because the little girl's like, oh, well, they have a cow. At least they'll have milk. And Edgar says how that's not the case. And then that's when Charlie goes, what an utter failure. Yes. So there's a lot of those one-liners. If you like that, you're going to love this. It feels like throughout. Edgar, uh, Charlie's the one who said utter failure. Utter failure, Ed- yes. But it feels like Edgar Bergen may have, like, t- punched up the script yeah and i think at one point charlie makes a comment about like don't ham it up or something yeah yeah, like yeah. That. It, he's very critical because there's a part where he's like 
when they're talking about the giant, he goes, the harp helps the giant go, is a voice that helps the giant go to sleep. And Charlie's like, I can think of another voice. Yes, like, yeah, very it's critical. really great. Uh, which I feel like maybe that's their shtick. Like when he's just with Charlie, I, mean, I wonder, I've... I've not watched him with Charlie, but I wonder if it's like Charlie bantering about him. So it opens on, and this is what I remember, like so vividly. Mm-hmm. It opens on Goofy, Mickey, and Donald, and it is the thinnest slice of bread. That, like, <laughs> they're, well, they're, real yeah, life, they're out of food. You could not slice bread this thin it well literally looks, he can see through it it looks like pantyhose like you can like <laughs> see through it like that it's like that kind of a texture and one bean for three of them mm-hmm. so mickey is slicing it up and then the narrator is just talking about uh edgar's like you know if it was uh three beans for one person that would be great but it's one bean for three and is talking about like how desperate they are and donald just says shut up and like tells Tara loves it when Donald tells the narrator to shut up. I love when Donald like gets worked up and like addresses the narrator but he goes wild with crazy eyes and he's got like red and green like circles in his eyes and he's really like he is beyond hangry for sure. He's like (laughs) he's lost it. Well then he sees the axe and that look where he looks at the axe and then like kind of looks at him see the axe yeah and you see the axe and the next time you get a shot of the axe, there's a shadow at where the axe was on the wall. And Donald has gotten Like it. the dust. The dust, yeah. yeah. And Donald goes out for the cow. And uh, he goes to try to kill the cow. And then Mickey and Goofy tackle him. And Donald's like eating the cow's tail as if it was a corn on the cob. And like yeah. really trying to get something. And then we go back to live action. And they talk about, oh my gosh, are they really going to kill the cow? Mm-hmm. And uh, who is it? Mortimer. I don't uh, want to hear the story. Yeah, he's if like, they're if, kill the if cow. they're gonna kill the cow, I'm done with this story. And the little girl doesn't want them to kill the cow. And Charlie, of course, uh, the like smirky, the smartest, kill the cow, eat yeah, the cow. He's like, kill the cow. And uh, so they go back and forth. And the little girl says, "Well, I think they should sell the cow instead of killing it." And Edgar goes, "Well, that's exactly what they do." And so now we kind of jump back to the famished farm. I feel like farm. this. I feel like this might also be their way of like, how do we get to the next scene without with the scene they cut of like Mickey actually selling? They didn't animate. They probably just said, "Okay, we'll yes. just use this as a yeah. way to get to the next." And part. I thought I remembered Mickey selling the cow. Is that in a different version, or is that just in my mind? I don't think so. I, I like I said, I thought there's I remember him walking of with the cow it. and going to sell it. Unless that's just Here's in my thing. imagination, they're which like, is fine. Go sell the cow and we'll get money. What do you think that they're going to do with the cow that they sell it to? That guy's going to eat it. Yeah, or try to get milk out of it, which Mickey already knows isn't the case. But anyway, when Mickey goes to sell the cow, I love this song. It's Finiculi, a, Finicula, yes. or whatever. Uh, but the words have been changed, and it's Goofy and Donald singing and dancing for food. And I'm going to eat so much food till I die. And there's a whole nother verse. I think this might be... One of my favorite songs from this one. It's I thought it so was longer. Good. It's so short. But I love it. I love them daydreaming about all this food that they're going to have. And Mickey comes back and one of them says something about beans in the song. No, it's it's going to rhyme to something. Hmm. And oh, goes, that's beans! right. Yeah. yeah. And then Mickey jumps in with the rhyme and the rhyme is beans. And they're like, what do you mean beans? And Mickey lets them know, oh, these are magic beans. If you plant them in the moonlight, like a beanstalk will grow. And they're like. You dummy. <laughs> he says something. Like, he goes, then what do you think you'll have? And Donald's Donald like, goes, more, more beans! beans! And just throws them and away. And he's so angry. And so he knocks them out of Mickey's hand and they fall into a hole in the floor. In the floor. And then they all go to sleep. And this, 
I this was also a great song. It's instrumental, but it's got such a good feel to it and a great rhythm to it as the beanstalk is growing. It's kind of got a little snake charmery vibe to yes. it. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and it's so funny because you watch the the beanstalk like going under Goofy's bed and like it takes Mickey's blanket and replaces it with a beanstalk leaf. The so they always stay sleeping even yeah. though the beanstalk is moving them in all different directions, but they don't know it because mm-hmm. they're still somewhat comfortable yeah. on the beanstalk. And Donald like goes into a barrel and then at one point is in the curly cue part of the beanstalk. And then we see the house get lifted higher and higher. And I thought it was funny that when the house lifts up, the chimney stays. Which makes yeah. sense because it's the brick, I guess, part of the house, right? right? So, so the house goes up and up into the clouds. Um, and then that's when kind of they wake up. And then they're so excited. They're forgetting that they're hungry because now they're like, oh, my gosh, where are we? Like, this is such an adventure. We see this castle in the distance. Like, it could be a friend. It could be a dragon. It could be, like, you know, possibilities are endless, essentially, on what it could be. And so they get – do. They get to the castle. This is yeah. One they of my they go on an parts. adventure to get to the castle, and they they get to the steps. Um, and <laughs> the steps are so high. Well, oh, we forgot to mention they walk through footsteps. They walk through footsteps. They have a little bit with some dragonflies where Donald. Well, and the footstep. Remember the comment? Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah the he goes who uh, let those footsteps? And Charlie goes well, it certainly wasn't Cinderella. This is three years before Cinderella, so even he's though referencing... Cinderella was in pre-production, and the animators knew it was in yeah, pre-production. Yeah, he's but... referencing the fairy tale, which yeah. I'm wondering how prevalent that was in everyone's mind pre. Yeah, it was just a, an, an interesting comment. Um, it, was, it was like an interesting nod, yeah. uh, especially with us knowing that it's in pre. Excuse me, it's in pre-production at this time, and it is three years away from yeah. being released. So that was kind of a fun bit. That's the only reason I wanted to go back about right. that. But yeah, so we get to the the stairs and you have a very like vivid memory of like the three of them have to get on each other's shoulders well, to I remember, get up one step. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, I wonder how long that would take. Yeah, there's what, 20 or more, probably mm-hmm. t- more than 20. There's a lot of steps that they have to get up. So you kind of watch them all climb and get up. And I love that, like, Mickey knocks on the door, but they're at the very bottom <laughs> of the door, and you can see where they could just have walked under. Yeah. But Nikki, Mickey's very polite and knocks on the door, and he's kind of got his chest puffed out, like, ready to meet whoever's going to open the door, and it's, nobody answers. It's interesting because I, 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 in some other Disney podcasts that I, I've listened to, they talk a lot about, like, Mickey's personality, or rather Mickey's lack of personality. Um, and it's interesting to see in this one, he's kind of a, a charmer and very polite, but also kind of a, I don't want to say schemer, but like he's the sharp one of the bunch. Later. Yeah. And I think he had tons of personality in this mm-hmm. one. And maybe that was their way because they wanted him to become popular again. So maybe they were trying to yeah. make him, I don't want to say more animated. Well, I think but... at this point, they I think in the 80s and 90s is, in my opinion, when they start, he becomes more of a mascot for a. Uh, the magic kingdom and they're trying to make him like everyone loves mickey and so he becomes every personality so therefore he doesn't really have a personality yeah but i think he has tons of personality in this and i really like it a lot and so they go under the door and they see all the food on the table and they climb up like this ornate uh wooden leg of the table and they climb up and they're so excited but they never eat anything. We never see them eat anything. Goofy. Well, Donald and, and Mickey go after something. Donald eats a big thing of cheese. 
Oh, okay. But Goofy keeps yeah, trying to Goofy, eat stuff. Yeah, Goofy. Yeah, he like tries to eat all these peas, and they're giant peas, and they like bounce and hit him in the face. So that's interesting. He takes a giant knife and he tries to get them all in his mouth. And it's funny because I watched the Giant Land, the black and white Mickey mm-hmm. one, and the giant does the same thing with peas. Like, there's a whole big section where Mickey's stuck in the giant's mouth. It's weird, but he's like eating the peas with a knife, and I'm like, I've never heard of anybody eating peas like i think it would be difficult to eat yeah to line them up like that yeah but animate it wise it looks cool that must be it it. but but there's a lot of like especially the the food there's a lot of like shared bits between it's interesting to go and watch those other ones in there so we'll be sure i think you mentioned it yeah yeah we'll be sure to post them because it'd be interesting to compare them i have a question for you it's very important so i need you to really think of the answer if you could be stuck if you could eat one giant dish what would it be mine mine would be a pepperoni and mushroom slice of pizza that's really smart i don't know (laughs) i've been eating a lot of this lately so that's probably why i'm gonna say it but watermelon a giant watermelon yeah okay just like eat through it uh but (laughs) guys uh, guys send us in your your giant dish yes let us know what you would eat but Goofy then goes into Jello, and that's when I made the realization. I was like, he's not going to get to eat anything. <laughs> like, he's bouncing on this Jello, trying to catch his hat and all this stuff. Uh, and so then that's when they see that the harp is locked up. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, my gosh, this the is harp. what happened to the harp. Yeah. Uh, your Mickey's pretty good. Thank you. Uh, so I, I'm pretty sure Walt just did the exact same thing I did, where you just go high. Like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, so then we jump back to live action. So now we're back to live action, and this is where we see the shadow puppet, where he's trying to show uh, what the, giant the little girl like. what the giant would this. look like. And so he does the shadow puppet. But they do a cool bit where it's his hands, but then it's clearly, I think, like an actual puppet. It's not hands. Yeah. I don't think. I... Starts out where, like, the shadow is a pig, and Charlie, yes. of course, makes some comment on who it looks like. Yeah. And, and then it goes into the giant, and now we're back to the animation and we enter the giant. You know, we see the giant for the first time. And Willy this song is also really good. The fee fi fo uh, So this is another really good one. And so he's like just singing about these magic words and how well, he can yeah. do all these different things. He can be big. He can be small. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of... Mad Madam Man. Yes. Yeah. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Like, it's he's not as like eccentric and crazy as she is. But like he has a similar magic where, like, yes. what do you want me to turn into? And I'll turn into it. Like, yeah. I can literally turn into anything. Uh, and so they all hide in the food. And Donald's in, like, these puffs. And I forget what... I think those were supposed to be possibly, like, uh, pearl onions. That's what I thought at first, too. But then, like, since they looked like his tail, I wasn't sure if it was something else. Like his thick seat. Yes. <laughs> Which, if you're a fan of Podcast The Ride, you'll know that reference. Otherwise... <laughs> It's coming out of left field. Uh, but I forget what Goofy hides in, but they all hide in different foods, and Mickey winds up Goofy's being... in the cheese, and he cuts it, and his, his face is sticking oh, through that's right. the hole in the Swiss cheese. So Mickey winds up, he's hiding in some of the ingredients that become the sandwich for the giant, and so he's in the sandwich, mm-hmm. and the giant sprinkles pepper on the sandwich, and Mickey sneezes. And that's how the giant is revealed that Mickey's there, and then Mickey's clever, and... Uh, I don't think I wrote it down. Oh, here it is. Mickey never misses a trick. That's another thing that uh, the narrator says. And this is going to his personality being like, you know, Mickey's always on top of it. He's Mm -hmm. always like looking at the next thing and he sees that there's a fly swatter. And so 
he's reading his lifeline because um, he's in the giant's hand and he's asking him questions and he's like, oh, so you can turn into anything. And the giant really wants to turn into a big pink bunny with ears. And Mickey's like, no, you should turn into a house fly instead. And the giant's like, because he sees a fly swatter. Yeah, because he sees the fly swatter. And the giant's like, why? And he's like, no reason, you know. And he's doing that bit where he's like kind of like spinning his tail. like Yeah, like, like almost Charlie like if Chaplin's he was whistling, cane. like do, 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 do. Uh, and so he's like, no reason, no reason. He's like, okay, I'll do it. And then Mickey signals Goofy and Donald and is like, go get the fly swatter. So all three of them get it to hold it up. And the giant turns into the bunny anyway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you sure you don't want me to be a bunny? And then sees what they're doing and gets very angry. And so then there's a whole sequence of him catching them. He takes the harp out and he puts them in the box that the harp's in. But Mickey gets out right before real, closes. Real, real. Like, oh, that's convenient. <laughs> yeah, but he gets out right before it closes, and then he puts them up on a high shelf. So all three of them are now up on this high shelf, and the giant is out and has the harp starting to sing. And so she's lulling him to sleep, which is the whole reason he stole the harp, was so it could help him sleep. Mickey climbs down from a shelf, and he's on. With needle and thread, needle and which thread. I thought was really smart. And I like that the harp is singing directions yes, to him. she's like, in his right coat. Pocket. Yeah, like, is and he's the like key. Yeah, and she's like, but be careful. Like, you know, she's I got see, a whole thing. We started this thing where we were. I was like, I'm gonna get Tara to sing every episode. <laughs> I think it's turning out that I think I'm it's singing. Tied or you're ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's really great. I love that she narrates to him and sings to him. Uh, and so then Mickey is in his pocket. He finds the key, and this is the tobacco reference where it's no one so would light. know. What it is. He's got a box of snuff. Of snuff. And so Mickey falls into the snuff, essentially, mm-hmm. and sneezes. And then the giant goes to sneeze and realize Mickey's is Mickey's in the pocket, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the whole sequence comes where the giant's trying to catch them. And Goofy and Donald go for the heart. Oh, oh the key. That's right. Yeah, he thinks he's in his I pocket. I apologize. He's not yeah, there. I jumped ahead. He steals a key, lets Mickey and uh, Goofy and Donald And Donald says, let me have it, Mickey. And, and then Mickey, the like, hits him in the head with the key as he's unlocking it. So, yeah. So, so Mickey sets them free. Then they get the free. harp and they're leaving. Then they get the harp. Then they're leaving. And you, there's this whole scene uh, of the giant really going after Mickey because Goofy and Donald have kind of gotten ahead of Mickey mm-hmm. uh, with the harp and are climbing down the beanstalk when Mickey is still kind of coming down the stairs and, like, through the water and everything to get to the the beanstalk wow now i have a blank spot i i know how it ends well they chase they chase him he chases him down the stock oh and, that's right and then donald and they saw they're and sawing Goofy, it yeah, yeah, yeah are sawing it when mickey gets down there and mickey helps them and uh the beanstalk falls and then edgar says the passing of the wicked giant so he declares that the giant has passed when they, he falls yeah off the they beanstalk. kind of just fade back to they don't really show anything yeah and he just says and everyone lived happily ever after in happy valley and then we go back to live action and uh mortimer Mortimer is very sad that the giant has died and doesn't like how the story ended and edgar tries to let him know that it's just a figment of his imagination like there was no real giant so it's okay that he died because he never really existed in the first place and as he's trying to describe this the roof of the house lifts up and there's Willie the Giant looking. You all seen a mouse, like yeah, yeah, looking for the mouse. And Edgar's eyes like roll back, and he passes out. Right. 
Uh, and so I think they tell him they haven't seen the mouse or whatever and be gentle when you put down the roof because we don't want to wake Mr. Bergen. Right. And he uh, walks off through Hollywood. Through LA, yeah, through LA and you see the Hollywood sign in the background and you see the Chinese theater and the derby, the brown, the brown derby, derby and he but picks he picks up it up and puts it on. And puts it on his head and that's how it ends. Yeah. So, uh, we see that the giant didn't die and <laughs> is still like walking around looking for Mickey. Um, yeah, so that's that's Mickey and the Beanstalk. So let's go yeah. over that real quick. How was the princess, Mickey? Me, I loved Mickey. It's some I of my favorite had, Mickey. Uh, yeah, he had so much personality, and uh, I just really, I loved him. Uh, how was the princess, which I guess is the harp? She was fine. Her songs were Her great. songs are beautiful. Yes. Yeah. She has a beautiful voice. And yeah. like she, I, I want to learn more about this one because, she, like I said, she didn't have a Wikipedia page, but... Yeah, and his sidekicks, I love Goofy, I love Donald. I think I'm, as an adult, Goofy was always my favorite as a child. As an adult, I'm really relating to Donald. Yeah, like, I'm I like really finding Donald. I'm finding Donald's humor so funny, and um, for any of my fans, I don't know how many of my family members listen, but some of my... I you were about to say for any of my fans that listen. No, like, no, my family, but <laughs> some of my family friends, friends who I've known forever, will know this uncle, and you only know him because I've talked about him, but my uncle Butch... Mm. Uh, used to do a Donald Duck voice. Like he used to do like the, I, I can't do it, so I'm not going to do it. But he would, you know, talk like Donald. Yeah. And so I think I've got a connection to Donald because of that. And then I just love him frustrated. I love when he gets angry and he's flustered. And mm-hmm. I just am really, am finding as an adult, I'm relating to Donald so much more, I think, than as a child. How was the villain? Uh, I loved Willie. I really liked Willie a lot. He wasn't I mean, as menacing as the villains, He was presented a little bit him. as simple, but yes. also very naive. He I was could, a little bit of both, I, I think. I could see him in Villainous. Like, I, I could think. see him as a character in Villainous. Yeah. I would love if they used him. I think it would be... I think the gameplay, they could do a lot with Mickey and the Beanstalk yeah. and like different things. I think he would be a good one to add. And one of the... Like, Pete... One of the like OGs, like one of the yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. original ones from this time period, which I think would be cool to have. Um, scenes that don't hold up. The only thing is a snuff box, and I think it's so and, minor. But yeah, I don't even think that you'd really pay much attention to it, if anything. I honestly think this is another one you could just leave on and not yeah, have to really I think, worry about it. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, okay, so end of the day, does this one go up on the shelf? Or yeah. Do you, yeah. Well, I, I had I never agree. seen Bongo, but I really enjoyed Bongo as well. And I love Mickey and the Beanstalk. So, yeah, this one I, this one goes up together. Whereas, uh, what was the last one we did again? Remind me the name. Melody Time? Make Mine Music. Make Mine Music. The next one is Melody Time. Uh, Make Mine Music, we didn't love it as a whole. And they yeah. were all very separate. These are two separate stories. But having Jiminy being the tie in between, mm-hmm. like, it connected them better, I think. And then the same with the live action. And even though they're two different stories, they feel like they go together, and I would put them up on the shelf together. I think, yeah, I think worst, the, the worst part about this is sometimes the, the stuff that connects them can be a little dull. Like, the Jimmy yeah. stuff was like, all right, but like. But I think, I think it makes it a little bit more yeah. cohesive, regardless, I'm right? I'm just looking for stuff at this point. I think at the end, we'll have to say, that after Ichabod, we'll be able to say, like, which is, which is your favorite of the package films. But yeah. so far, this is a pretty good front runner for me. I like Three Caballeros a lot because of nostalgia, but this one feels like objectively like I can this tell one is mine so far. Like yeah. without a doubt, I can mm-hmm. say that this one is mine. Um, but yeah, who knows? We still have a couple yeah. more to get through. So. Have, so next time we're doing uh, Make Melody. Mine, 
No, you're right. Yes, Melody time. Next and, time we do Melody uh, time. And Bree will be back with us. Yes, so we're our really first returning excited. guest. Uh, she's a returning guest, uh, and we're excited to have her back. And then I think Ichabod is after that. And mm. then we get into Cinderella. So then we get back to uh, what Disney becomes known for. You Some know? actual princess movies in our princess In our princess now. diaries. But there are many to come. Yes. So, uh, so until then, please remember, uh, let your friends know uh, about us. And, and yeah, and... And thank you all for those of you who are on the Facebook page. We're getting some good discussion on there. So if you're not on uh, the page, be sure to check that out. Uh, There's lots of different links and articles and things that we're not only sharing, but listeners are sharing. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So thanks a lot, guys. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Thank you.